as we've gathered together to worship. And uh, before our call to worship, just a couple of words of announcement. Uh, I actually got a call this week from a guy from uh, working with FEMA. Right, our theme for this service is going to be encouragement. We're going to look at uh, the Lord Jesus coming to the Apostle Paul in, uh, uh, in prison and offering him a word of encouragement. And uh, for our call to worship, we're going to look at an Old Testament saint and, uh, and his need for encouragement. And uh, as we think about that today, even the most faithful servants of God, the most powerful proclaimers of the truth, uh, sometimes are, find themselves in need of encouragement. Uh, even the, the most faithful servants can uh, become discouraged and be, even be tempted to despair. And we see that God is a God of encouragement. And so we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 19 today uh, as the call to worship. And later we'll look at Paul in Acts chapter 23 and see the God of encouragement coming to encourage his weary, discouraged servants. 1 Kings chapter 19 beginning in the first verse. And this happens after the great victory on Mount Carmel as uh, Elijah stands for the Lord and the Lord answers with fire from heaven and people go and slay the prophets of Baal. After that great victory, 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night at that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his faith in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, 
torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hatzael, king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abal-Maholah, you shall anoint as a prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hatzael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Sometimes even the most faithful servants of the Lord stand in need of godly encouragement. Even the most faithful can become discouraged and tempted to despair. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together this day. And Lord, we come together weary from the fight. We have spent a week in the world. Spent a week in enemy territory. Spent a week in a world that has fallen. And Lord, we gather together seeking for encouragement. Lord, we gather together seeking to hear a word from you that will breathe life into our weary souls. Lord, we come together confessing that we are weak, we are tired, we are worn. And Lord, we come together seeking to behold your glory, to hear your voice, to see your face, and to be encouraged. And Lord, we pray that uh, we would behold your glory, that we would see you in your majesty, that we would hear your still, your soft, still voice. And Lord, that our hearts would be drawn to worship you, that we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, we would be emboldened, we'd be equipped to go back out into the world, having been filled with your spirit and energized by your truth and equipped to be faithful for the task ahead of us, knowing that more day, hard days lay ahead. But because of who you are and what you have done for us in Christ Jesus, we can be of good cheer. We can take courage, we can be bold, we can be confident, and we can know that the victory is yours. And we thank you that you have sent your son into the world to overcome the world, to take the worst that the world has to offer and to, uh, to be buried and to raise from the dead, overcoming the world and offering us the proof that we can be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. Help us to be encouraged and help us to wor worship you in spirit and truth this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, I invite you to take out your hymnal and turn with me to hymn 400. And as we continue to worship, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 23. 
Acts chapter 23, our text today will be the 11th verse, Acts chapter 23, verse 11. We've seen Elijah in need of encouragement, and in this passage we see the Apostle Paul, uh, that great preacher, that great missionary, that great evangelist, the Apostle to the Gentiles, the great writer, writing for us 13 books of our New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in need of godly encouragement, encouragement from God. And I'll begin in the 10th verse and read through verse 11 our text as we set these verses in their context. Paul was addressing the council, and Luke writes in chapter 23, verse 10, Now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down, and take him by force from among them, and bring him into the barracks. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Let's pray. Lord God, we stand before your throne of grace, confessing that we are poor and needy, absolutely dependent upon you for everything. Our next breath, a gift of your mercy and grace. And Lord, we stand before you knowing that you have made provision for us in Christ Jesus, for our sin in his death, for our life in his resurrection, and for our mission in his ministry of intercession. And so, Lord, I pray today as we consider these words that we would hear Jesus say to us, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. May we be encouraged by your truth, and may we be equipped by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I can imagine this was probably the worst night of Paul's life since he had met the Lord Jesus. He met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus and went there and Ananias told him that he was going to speak before the Jews, before kings, and before the nations, before the Gentiles. And after being equipped for three years, he went and sent out by the church at Antioch to take the message of Jesus where that message, where his name was not known. And he's gone on these three missionary journeys, planting churches, raising up elders, and then circling back and encouraging those believers, having an effective ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was not without hardship. He was usually... uh, uh, run out of the synagogue, and then he would preach in the, mu- the, 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 the marketplace, and then he'd be run out of town and, and, and stoned and left for dead and beaten with rods, beaten with sticks, thrown into prison. We read all of these things as we've gone through the book of Acts. But then the Lord put on Paul's heart that he must go to Jerusalem. Paul, like Jesus, set his face toward Jerusalem. And as he was on his way in every town, he was warned by his friends, warned by the Spirit, 
that chains awaited him there. And his friends told him, begged with him, pled with him not to go to Jerusalem. And yet Paul knew that it was the Lord's will for him to take this gift, this offering that had been collected by the Gentile churches and take it into Jerusalem to, to encourage and provide for the impoverished saints, the believers there. And Paul went to Jerusalem even in every city. He was being told that chains awaited him and his friends begging him not to go. But he went to Jerusalem and when he got there, exactly as had been warned, it was not a warm welcome, but a riot. He went into the temple and a mob grabbed a hold of him and drug him out of the temple and shut the door and began to beat him and very likely would have beat him to death had the Roman soldiers not intervened. The Roman soldiers came and bound him and had to carry him through the crowd as that riot, as the mob was determined to, to murder him. And so the soldiers bound him and took him into prison. And the next day he was set before the council. And as he testified in the council, first he loses his temper and insults the chief priest. He speaks of the resurrection and then that assembly it results in a riot. And the two parties are divided. And this text says that the, the Roman commander feared that Paul was going to be pulled to pieces by the two factions in the council. And again, they went and took him by force, took him out of the crowd and took him back to the prison, back to the barracks. And I can imagine the Apostle Paul was discouraged. Things had not turned out the way he had hoped. He came to Jerusalem to deliver a gift to encourage the believers, but he also, we read in his letters that he had a great desire for his countrymen, for the people of Jerusalem, for the Jews to, to see that Jesus was their Christ, their Messiah, the King of the Jews, and he desired for there to be a revival, for the Jews to come and turn to their Messiah, to their Christ, and to be saved. And he writes to the Romans that he desired that so much, he desired so intensely that his countrymen would be converted and come to Jesus in repentance and faith that he said he wished himself to be a curse, cut off from Christ for the sake of his countrymen if they would come to know him. He went to Jerusalem with a heart to see sinners converted, his countrymen turned to Jesus in repentance and faith. He wanted to see a revival, an awakening in Jerusalem and a turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And instead, he found rejection. His countrymen grabbed a hold of him and drug him out of the temple and shut the door behind him and began to beat him. And it was only the Roman soldiers that saved his life. Several times, and they saved his life by putting him in bound and chains and taking him to prison. So can I, I can imagine the great apostle, the apostle Paul laying in that prison, feeling discouraged. Maybe even tempted to despair. We see in this text, we see throughout the scripture that sometimes even the most faithful of servants need a word of encouragement. Even the most powerful proclaimers need words of 
comfort and encouragement to them. And, and you know, the, the church, one of the responsibilities of the church, one of the things that we are to do for one another, the text, the, the, the Bible tells us we are to encourage one another. And in this text, we see that that encouragement, that encouragement comes from the Lord. We're called to encourage one another, but that encouragement is not just a pep talk, but pointing to the Lord Jesus and his finished work and his presence and his power for the present work and the guarantee that his will, his purpose will be done. And so in this passage, we, we learn a little bit about godly encouragement. We all stand in need of encouragement. And in this text, Paul was in need of encouragement. And we see in verse 11 that the encouragement that Paul needed came from the Lord. Verse 11, but the following night, the Lord stood by him. The Lord, the Lord Jesus came to his apostle, to his servant, to his missionary, to his proclaimer, and offers him a word of encouragement. He comes and he stands by him, and, 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 and that in itself is encouragement that God, the Lord Jesus, is present. We see in the Old Testament that even though we walk through the valley of the dark shadow of death, there is nothing we need to fear. There is no reason to be afraid because He is with us. The Lord is our shepherd and He shepherds us even through the dark valley of the shadow of death. We need fear no evil because He is with us. Jesus stood by Paul there in the prison and offered His word of encouragement. And we be encouraged by the, the Lord and His presence. And we know from the words of Paul himself, that if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? The Lord is for us, and God has given to us His Son, and along with Him we can trust that He will give us all things. Be encouraged because the Lord is with us. And He told His followers right before He ascended into heaven, the Lord Jesus told His men, as he was sending them out on a worldwide mission, telling them all authority had been given to him in heaven and earth, and he was sending them out into the world to go and to make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything Jesus had commanded. And then he ends that commission with a promise. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And so Jesus comes to Paul, stands by him, even in the prison, and brings words of encouragement. The encouragement comes from the Lord. The Lord stood by him. And the second thing we see about encouragement is the Lord gives him a command, and he gives him a command to be of good cheer. The Lord stands with Paul, in the prison and on that difficult night, that night where he is still bloodied and beaten from having been almost beaten to death by the mob and then almost ripped in two by the council. He's laying there with his wounds and with his blood and with his battered body, discouraged because things had not turned out the way that he hoped they would. The Lord Jesus appears to him and gives him a command. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, Paul. 
And this, uh, you know, it's interesting, it takes four English words to translate one Greek word. There's only one, you know, one word the Lord speaks, but it takes four English words to catch that idea. Be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be confident. Be bold. Don't be discouraged. Don't give in to the temptation of despair. Just because things have not worked out the way that you expected. Things did not work out the way you planned. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Be happy. Be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be bold. And so when the Lord appears to Paul, there stands by him in his prison. He speaks a word that is very often on the lips of our Lord. He appears to Paul and he says, be of good cheer. But as we look through the Gospels, we see Jesus spoke this, this word, this one Greek word, many times in his earthly ministry. There's one time early in his ministry that he was in Capernaum and he was teaching in a house. And as he was teaching in a house, the crowd, a, a great crowd gathered into the house and filled the house to overflowing. And there were some men who had a friend who was paralyzed and was on a stretcher and was bedbound. And they believed that if they could just put their friend before Jesus, that Jesus would heal him. And they got to the house, they saw the crowd was overflowing, and there was no way they could get their friend to Jesus. And so these four men brought their friend up onto the top of the house. They, they dug a hole in the, the roof of the house. They, they made a hole in the roof of the house, and they lowered their friend on his stretcher before the Lord Jesus. And Mark tells us when Jesus saw their faith, he looked at that man and said, be of good cheer. He said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And so this man, Jesus told him to be encouraged, to be bold, and to know that by God's grace through faith, his sins were forgiven. And then in that same chapter, Mark chapter 9, Jesus is on his way with a royal official. He's on his way with a royal official to go to his house and raise his daughter from the dead. And he, again, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of people pressing around him as he's on his way to this house to do this great miracle. And as he's on his way, a timid a timid woman, an unclean woman, a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and spent everything she has on doctors trying to heal her. She believes that if she could just somehow work her way through that crowd and, and touch the hem of his garment, that she will be made clean, that she will be made whole, that she will be healed, that she will be saved. And she sneaks up. She makes her way through that crowd and somehow manages with all the people pressing around Jesus to, to, to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And as soon as she does, she knows that she is healed, that she is made clean. But Jesus, to her horror probably, Jesus stops and asks, Who touched me? And the disciples say, there's thousands of people pressing around you. How can you possibly say who touched me? And the woman came forward. And Jesus said to her, be of good cheer, daughter. 
your faith has healed you. And then not too long after that, Jesus has put his disciples on a boat, sent them over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and while they are there, a massive storm comes upon the sea. A great storm, much like a hurricane. And these seasoned fishermen, these men who had grown up on that sea, who had been in those boats and storms on the sea many, many times in their life perhaps, they are there and they are terrified. They are convinced that their little boat's about to be overwhelmed by the winds and the waves and that they are about to drown and they are about to die. And They are afraid, doing everything they can to save themselves, to get the boat uh, to a safe place. And then to add to their horror, to their fear, they look out and they see what they believe to be a ghost coming to them, walking to them on the water. And they are very afraid. They are very troubled. And Jesus speaks to them. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then on the last night of his earthly life, Jesus takes his men into an upper room and begins a, a, in John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, he gives them his farewell address. He is leaving them. He is leaving them to return to the Father. And he is leaving them in enemy territory. He is leaving them in a hostile world. He is leaving them in a world that has rejected him and will murder him and put him to death. And he tells his men, he tells his followers that if you look like me, you can expect the world to treat, treat you the same way that it is going to treat me in these next hours. You can expect to be rejected. You can expect to be lied about. You can expect to be ridiculed. You can expect to be tortured. You can expect to be wrongly arrested, falsely accused. And you can even expect to be put to death by this hostile world that hates me. And because it hates me, it will hate you if you love me. He gives them this address to tell them how to survive in enemy territory. And then the concluding words of that address. I have told you these things. That I'm, I'm leaving you in enemy territory. They're going to hate you. They're going to run after you. They're going to try to kill you. And people who kill you are going to think they're doing a service to God. I've told you these things. That in me, you might have peace. And then he tells them, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And in the next days, he is, that next day, he is arrested, falsely accused, unjustly condemned, and handed over to be crucified. And he is crucified, and as he dies, God the Father lays upon him the sin of all who will ever come to him in repentance and faith. Jesus takes the penalty, the punishment that we deserve as lawbreakers. He satisfies the demands of the law as he dies on the cross and then God raises him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted and that God's wrath has been turned away from all who believe. 
he demonstrates powerfully and profoundly that he has overcome the world. And that as we follow him, as we put our trust in him, and we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, and born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, and filled with the Holy Spirit, equipped with the Holy Spirit to go and, and, and fight for his kingdom, and to seek to make disciples of all the nations, and to be faithful to proclaim his truth, we will have trouble, we will have tribulation. We see that with the Apostle Paul, sent to the nations, and everywhere he goes, trouble, tribulation, Pressures, beatings, rejections, ridicule, prison, chains. And yet Jesus stands beside him. Be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be bold. Fear not. And so Paul was in need of encouragement and the Lord Jesus came to him, with him, present with him and gave him a command. Be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be confident. Be not afraid. And so the Lord comes and gives him this command. And so since this comes as a command, you know, uh, failing to be of good cheer is disobedience. And so the Lord gives him a command. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, Paul, what were you thinking when you came to Jerusalem? Didn't you know that these people hated you? What were you, what were you doing? And, and Paul, you know, you lost your temper in front of the council and you insulted the high priest. Paul, you need to sign up for anger management classes. That's not what he said. He said, be of good cheer. He encouraged him and told him to be bold and to be faithful. Now, the third thing I want us to notice about this encouragement, notice that Jesus calls him by name. Be of good cheer, Paul. And we've seen that in the other examples that I have given. When the man came through the roof, Jesus looks to him and says, Son, be of good cheer. When the woman came through the crowd and touched him, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. His encouragement is personal. Jesus knows his people. He knows his men. He knows his servants. He knows where they are. He knows what they are going through. He knows what they are experiencing. He knows his sheep. He knows his people. He knows his servants. This encouragement is personal. And he calls his servant by name. And gives him this word of encouragement. Be of good cheer, Paul. He knows where Paul is. He knows what Paul is experiencing. And he knows how he feels about what he is experiencing. And he comes and brings a word of encouragement. Even his most faithful servants. Even the most powerful proclaimers of his name. Even those great servants sometimes find themselves discouraged and in need of a word of encouragement. And Jesus comes personally and speaks that word right to the heart of Paul. 
right to the heart of his son, right to the heart of a daughter, right to the hearts of his men. It's a personal word of encouragement. And so the encouragement comes from the Lord. It is a command to be bold, to be courageous, not to be discouraged, not to be afraid. There's so much in this world that might cause us fear and anxiety, but the Lord stands with us and says, do not be afraid, be of good cheer. And then he points to the past. He tells Paul, be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And so the Lord Jesus tells Paul, you know, that uh, what you have done in Jerusalem was a success. Your mission here has been accomplished. And Paul might be thinking, you know, what an unmitigated disaster. This was awful. This was horrible. From the very time that I arrived in Jerusalem, there was nothing but conflict. The elders brought me and said there was all these people that were telling lies about me. And if, if I wanted to, to, to show those lies and not be true, I needed to take these men into the temple. And as soon as I got in the temple, they started lying about me again and shouting all these things. And the mob came and grabbed hold of me and drug me out of the temple and even shut the door behind me. And then about beat me to death. The Roman soldiers come put me in chains and are planning to take me to the, to, the, to the barracks to torture me until I confess to a crime that I had not committed. And only because I'm a Roman citizen, that's the only reason I wasn't beaten, but I did spend the night in prison and then I stood before the Sanhedrin. And when I stood before the Sanhedrin, boy, I blew it royally. I insulted the chief priest. And then I didn't even mention the name of Jesus. I just talked about the resurrection in general terms. I didn't preach the whole gospel. And the assembly broke into a riot and was divided and they almost ripped me apart. And here I am in prison again. Paul probably thought that he had failed. He had not accomplished what he wanted to accomplish when he came to Jerusalem. He had not seen one of his countrymen turn to Jesus in repentance and faith. In fact, he had seen the hostility only emboldened. He had come to encourage the saints, and now he'd been beaten almost to death and he was in prison. That probably discouraged the church in Jerusalem. I haven't done what I wanted to do, what I came here to do. It hasn't worked out the way that I had hoped. It hasn't worked out the way that I had planned. Here I am in prison and I'm not a free man. I can't fulfill the mission that you have given me to go to the nations because I'm in a prison, a Roman prison in Jerusalem, in chains. Paul probably thought that he had failed. He had accomplished nothing. In fact, he had made things go backwards. what does Jesus say to his servant? As you have testified for me in Jerusalem. Jesus says that Paul's mission to Jerusalem was a success. And it had accomplished what Jesus brought him there to do. That his work in Jerusalem was complete. And this is such an important truth for us, you know. 
Jesus doesn't measure success the way the world measures success. The world, they, you know, Paul, the church wanted to see converts, conversions. They wanted to count numbers, count noses, count the offerings. The world measures success by buildings, baptisms, and budgets, and bottoms in the seats. But Jesus doesn't look for those things. Jesus looks for faithfulness. Paul, you were faithful to me. You were faithful. You set your face toward Jerusalem. And even though in every town the Spirit told you that change awaited you, even though your friends bowed down before you and begged you not to come, even though you knew that trouble awaited you there, you came. You spoke. You took advantage of the opportunity and you sent out my word. You testified to me in Jerusalem. And when God's word goes out, it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And he sent out his word through the Apostle Paul in Jerusalem not to bring converts, but to bring judgment, to bring condemnation, their final rejection. And I believe it was symbolized by when Paul went to the temple back in chapter 21 verse 30 all the city was disturbed the people ran together seized Paul dragged him out of the temple and look what Luke says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and immediately the doors were shut the people had rejected the message of Jesus his messenger had been drugged out of the temple and in an act of judgment the temple doors were shut. And Paul had been faithful. He had been sent to Jerusalem to proclaim the last chance. The people rejected their Christ, their Messiah, and his messenger and cast him out of the temple and shut the doors against him. Paul had been sent to testify against Jerusalem just as Jeremiah and Isaiah had before him. And all three of those men were successful in Jerusalem even though None of them had one single convert. They were faithful to testify to the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem. Jesus does not measure success by numbers, by counting noses, by counting conversions. He measures success by faithfulness. Faithfulness to preach his word, to preach his gospel. And to trust him with the results, knowing that when his word goes forth, it will not return empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. Sometimes he sends it out for conversions, as he has in Galatia and in Corinth and in other places that Paul visited. But when he brought him to Jerusalem, he brought a message of condemnation and judgment. 
And Paul was faithful. And the Lord recognized that faithfulness and told him that his mission had been accomplished. He had, he had fulfilled the task for which Jesus brought him there. And he, he, he says, the, so the encouragement comes from the Lord. He commands him to be of good cheer. It's a personal word of encouragement directly to Paul. And the Lord commends him for his faithfulness. But he also tells him, the job is not complete. And so the word of encouragement is not just to make him feel better about his current situation, but that word of encouragement comes to equip him for more difficulty, for more hardship, for more things that are to come. The task is not finished. The task is not complete. Don't allow your discouragement to make you drop out of the race just like Elijah. Elijah ran and he ran and he was there and he said, just I'm ready to die. But the Lord came and spoke to him and said, I've got more work for you to do, Elijah. You're not finished. The task is not done. And he gives him specific tasks to go and accomplish. And so the word of encouragement comes not just to make him feel better, but to keep him in the race, to keep him in the fight. He encourages him. And that word of encouragement also equips him to finish the race. You've testified for me in Jerusalem. And it did not work out the way that you had expected, the way that you had hoped, even the way that you had perhaps planned. But you were faithful. And in the same way, you will testify, you will bear witness at Rome. You know, we know Paul wanted to go to Rome. He was longing to go to Rome. And he would go to Rome, but not like the way he had planned. He wanted to go to Rome as a free man <laughs> to be able to go and visit the churches. But he would go to Rome, but he would go in chains, go as a prisoner. But he would have the opportunity to bear witness before the Lord Jesus, for the Lord Jesus, even in Rome. And so this word of encouragement comes, <laughs> but it also tells him more hard days are ahead. There's more chains. There's different prisons. There are going to be many plots against your life. We see one in the next verse. But Paul, be encouraged because there is nothing that can thwart the plan and the purpose of God. God's will will be done. His purpose will be achieved. His kingdom will come. God is sovereign, and there is nothing that that mob in Jerusalem can do to stop the working of his plan. The Jewish council, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they cannot stop God's achieving his purpose and his plan. Even the Roman soldiers binding Paul and carrying him by force, they can't stop the accomplishment of God's purpose. God's will will be done. His purpose will be achieved. He is sovereign over all of these circumstances and he is working everything for his glory and for the good of his people. And so while this word of encouragement points to Paul's faithfulness in the past that he had accomplished the purpose for which he'd come to Jerusalem, it also equips him for the purpose in the future. Get up. Be encouraged. Be bold. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Don't drop out of the race. 
there is more work to be done. Be of good cheer, Paul. For you have testified for, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. We see from this text, and we see from the text in 1 Kings, that even the most faithful servants sometimes need a word of encouragement. To know that the Lord is with them. Even in the valley of shadow of death. To know that the Lord is with them, even in a hostile world, even in enemy territory. They need to be encouraged to hear that if the Lord is with us, who can be against us? His plan and His purpose will be covered, carried out and He is sovereign over every circumstance. And Jesus never promises that life will be easy. He never promises smooth sailing. He never promises comfort and peace. Peace meaning the lack of conflict. He promises that in this world you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, that they will hate you, and those who kill you will think they're doing God's works. He does not promise that it will be easy. But He does promise, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. And He promises that His will and His purpose will be carried out and there is nothing that can thwart the accomplishment of his will. There is nothing that can stop his purpose. And what does God look at from his servants? Not the way the world would measure success. Not outward displays of fruitfulness. He does not look for fruitfulness. He looks for faithfulness. Testify to him. Stand on the truth. Be faithful to the truth no matter what it might cost. Testify to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the good news of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Be of good cheer, son. Be a good cheer, daughter. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Christ has overcome the world. And his kingdom will come. And his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take heart, be encouraged, be of good cheer. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this text. Thank you for this verse. And Lord, we thank you that you are a wonderful counselor. That you are the source of encouragement of comfort, of fortification, fortitude, courage, 
boldness. And Lord, we, we your servants, pray that we would hear your word. Be of good cheer. And Lord, we pray that through your word we would be comforted and encouraged. Lord, we also pray that through your word we would be equipped. And that we would be found faithful. And trust the fruitfulness, the results to you. That we would be found faithful. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven. And may we. Be found faithful. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to take out your hymnals. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.